Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Open your hearts and loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling to messy situationships and conscious and coupling from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text, sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. You know what? It's been overcast all day. Mm-hmm. And that is just like method to my veins. Uh-huh. I love when the sun is gone in L.A. I really do. It gives me a feeling of hope. Anything's possible <laughs> when it's not just beaten down on you. Yeah, that's because L.A. is essentially the underworld from Stranger Things. Go on. The beneath, whatever it's called. The right? Upside Down? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> the and upside I down. haven't even seen all of it. <laughs> the underworld. I love how they're like, uh, Netflix doesn't really care uh, how long this 
goes on and yet like all of those actors are now like in their 30s and they're like gonna spend all this money to de-age them but anyway but la is essentially the upside down right uh, everything's the opposite mm-hmm. is that true <laughs> i have seen the show but you know when it's overcast then we feel good right yeah, then i have the energy then uh-huh. the mood is electric uh-huh. um i still took a nap this afternoon don't get me wrong sure okay play is gonna play sure i mean we live but, in dystopia land sure you gotta take naps you got so you know i rested but i still am like Wow, there's something about that overcast sky that makes me feel like it's possible. Um, as we're recording, Andy, I just realized, you know, that, that our windows are open. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, great. The neighbors are really hearing in full effect <laughs> what it is to live next to two podcasters. And I thought, oh, blessings. I mean, granted, I hear their phone calls and music. So perhaps they could hear me. Sure. I do want to know what they think of us. <laughs> do I don't because you guys, they're like young and cool. So you know they automatically are like, these old bitches. You know what I mean? They're constantly hearing the Midsummer Murders uh, theme. These ancient freaks watching anime and <laughs> and a British crime show. And they're like, is someone playing Murdoch Mysteries again? So no, they're not into it. Uh-huh. Andy, can I tell you something? Uh, sure. get to the microphone first. I know we have comments. We've got to get into it. But first, I have to tell you. So, you know, as we all know, my phone did die about three weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I've been trying to rebuild. You know, and at the time of death, I was like on level 8,300 something of Gardenscapes. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I haven't been right since. Uh-huh. And, Andy, I'm contemplating downloading Gardenscapes and starting from the beginning. Talk me out of it. Talk me out of it. I won't even play like Zelda again <laughs> from the beginning, let alone start a. What were you call it? A pick three? A match three. A, a match three cell phone game? <laughs> Cellular telephone game? Okay, better. Do more and more. Like, I'm telling you, I'm literally telling you, talk me out of it. I <laughs> Stop me from doing this because I literally am sitting here and I'm like, I need something to zone out. I need something to play. And then I say, don't do it because probably playing that is what killed your phone in the first place. Like, using it too much. Well, no, I don't think playing Gardenscapes specifically killed your phone. I would say playing Gardenscapes eight hours a day. Maybe it did that. I said too much. You didn't have to speci- specify and step out a number of hours <laughs> that is actually overblown to make me seem even more, even less productive than I am. <laughs> so you just decide, you know what? Forget it. I don't need your two cents. Let's read these comments. Okay. I will just say this, Naomi, though. Say I will it. just say this. Say it. On your, your mental health journey that you're going on, I would say this would be a step backwards. You don't know. And there's, <laughs> you don't do know. know. Oh, I you do. don't know if Gardenscapes is actually what was keeping me together. I no. I think actually Gardenscapes. I don't have anything now to do. To I like, blame Gardenscapes, Naomi, for I your mental health. I don't have Twitter on the main phone. I don't have TikTok, so I've taken off those two sick beasts. But I need something. So uh, why not Tetris? You keep telling me Tetris every time you go. What about Tetris? What about Tetris? I don't want to play Tetris, Andy. It's not 1993. <laughs> So we have comments. <laughs> I like this one. This uh, Someone commented on uh, the Instagram post for last week's uh, episode. With Ireland's own Garode Farrelly? Yes. Garode, what a wonderful guest. What a wonderful person. And do you remember one of the questions was from a woman. She uh, is depressed and has pets. Yes. And her boyfriend. Yeah, he works some long hours. He works long hours. Yeah. So the pets are kind of her... Well, the dog and a cat. I think the dog, right? I think the cat might have been hers. The dog was his, right? And, you know, dogs, they need too much. But still, still working and being depressed at the same time and having to deal with pets a lot. Now, someone, I don't, again, I don't know if people want their names yeah. to uh, out, out there. So I'll just say this person commented on the, the Instagram post and said, the lady with the cat issue about the keyboard, she can just buy a keyboard and the cat will sit on it. 
What? Just hit up the thrift store and get a keyboard. Put it next to her and her cat will lay on that. A TikTok person said cats like to imitate their humans. And that's what the TikTok lady did. So try it out. Wow. Okay. That's an option. Decoy keyboard just for the cat. Now, I will say this. Someone did a study. Now, this is a different thing. But someone did a study of, I think, mental health TikTok. And I think it. I forget the number, but it's something like 86% of the people were wrong with their sure, <laughs> with, sure, sure, sure. With their advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Armchair experts. <laughs> Not surprising. So, I will, so with that caveat that, <laughs> that over two-thirds of the people on TikTok when it comes to mental health are ap- outright wrong, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that this might work, though. I would say... This could work. I mean, how much could a keyboard at, at a thrift store be? A couple bucks? Probably nothing, especially if you don't need it to work. Something that doesn't right. plug into anything, right? You know, right, right. Five bucks, maybe. Now, Naomi, do you remember the other question that we answered? No. <laughs> <laughs> the other, Andrew. Uh, okay, uh, another woman had called in, left a voicemail. Her sister and her sister's fiance. Okay, yes, they're young, and we said they need to break up, and this is needs to not happen. Mm. Now I remember you got to jog me with a couple of. The, the, the writer was, was uh, named themselves Struggling in St. Paul. Oh, yeah, Struggling. And then also because she has to officiate this thing. She didn't know what to do. Like, she's like, this The sister keeps right. making quote-unquote jokes about calling off the wedding. Right, right, right. And then she's like, now that I'm actually here where they are, I can see how this relationship is actually not great. And maybe yes. they should not get married. So we actually got a lot. And I want to have – wow. I want to read one and play a voicemail that we got. Okay. So why don't we start with – why don't you read this one? All right. Hello, Naomi and Andy. Rabid fan up in here for years. Hello. I'm a St. Paul, Minneapolis native who might be able to shed a little light on the mentality of our weird Scandinavian slash Irish Catholic culture. Here in the deep tundra, it is, quote, normal, end quote, to meet and marry at a very young age your childhood first love slash high school or college sweetheart. People who grew up here rarely leave the state. I did, but came back as, w- as well, always do. And we often share the same social circle since childhood. Transplants from other states frequently mention how difficult it is to meet people here because everyone's very closed off. Minnesota nice is actually just passive aggression. Okay, fine. We don't go to the bar to meet anyone new. If a random talks to a Minnesotan at a bar, they're, look, they're looked at with side eye for, only, for you only talk to the ones with whom you arrived. <laughs> I also understand why the bride-to-be is skirting the issue of slowing down with her hubby-to-be. This is one of our other delightful geographic idiosyncrasies, being aggravatingly indirect. Mm. This BTB is sending up a very obvious red flag that any Minnesotan would understand. These thoughts are brought to you from a woman who met my husband on our first day at the U of Minnesota, got married at 22, and just celebrated 21 years of marriage a couple weeks ago. Mm. So I represent the archetypal Minnesota gal. However... I couldn't resist the opportunity to share with my favorite comedians our Minnesota messiness from the inside out. XOL. Mm. Okay, Minnesota messiness. Well, Andy, you and I were only there for like 48 hours right. when we went to Minneapolis for and a it, wedding. It was messy because the <laughs> the flight out was canceled, and I remember having to like sleep on someone's floor while we waited for a new flight to... And wasn't our flight in also canceled? It was like a delay, delay, delay cancel. Yes, it was delayed on the way in. And, yeah. and trying to leave. So they said, we don't want you here. Yeah. And then once they get you here, they said, you don't get to leave. And this was years ago. This was years before like every pilot had like COVID a thousand times. This was 2012. This was yeah. like 2012, 2013. And you know what? Honestly, they were like, Minnesota yeah. has its rules. And now like flights are delayed like, you know, uh, eight weeks. <laughs> you get there. And you're okay. Like, I was just reading an article in, in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
your girl's erudite. Mm. Okay. And it was about how it's like 5,000 pilots are claiming illnesses or disabilities that should bar them from flying. And they are actively fi- flying. Of course they are. Now, there are a couple things at play there. Because uh-huh. this is more about how like a lot of, a lot of um, pilots are f- veterans. And so, in or- for disability benefits, they claim things. But under like FAA re- rules, when they get that uh, physical to allow themselves to fly, they'll be like, oh, no, I'm good. So I, the day out here just trying to get some VA benefits and said, I'm going to say what I need to say to get the benefits. But but when it comes to making sure I wouldn't have my pilot's license so I can keep working, they're like, let's not mention it. So mm. maybe they have, or, or they're lying about, like either they're lying, right, saying they have the problems that they don't have to get the bennies, or they're not lying and they're really out here sick and suffering, <laughs> but then said, I really would like to keep working. Uh-huh. And it was like about, yeah, obviously, all the holes and the cracks in the system, the fact that these two databases are, do not overlap. Of course, why would they? I read this and I go, "This why America is where it is. America go to America. You telling me somebody could be out here saying, oh yes, I suffer from seizures and PTSD and dizziness. Give me thirteen hundred a month. But also, yes, I will be flying for Delta. But also, yes, put me in a tube going hundreds of miles an hour, miles above the Earth's surface. Please do that. Please let me be in control of that thing. That house, humans in it and humans underneath it, miles on the ground. Please put me in charge of that thing. It was wild. I only have undisclosed illness trademark. (laughs) That's what Coco's being rebranded as, undisclosed illness trademark. I know, but um, that's a sidebar for men. Your girl got a glow up. COVID got a glow up. It's undisclosed illness TM now. <laughs> uh, just another day in dystopia land. It will catch on, Naomi. Dystopia land will catch on as the new word for America. Okay. If you guys listen to the Patreon. That is Andy's, uh, <laughs> the word for uh, America. It's yeah. dystopia land. Yes. He's really trying to get it to catch on. He's the George Saunders of our time. He would like to be recognized. Thank this will you. Be his legacy. Thank you. But if Thank you want to you. know about Thank that, you. you need to go to the Patreon oh. to really get the tea on that. That's patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. Oh, and and what Naomi? For how much money? What does the listener get besides supporting two of their favorite people in the world? Supporting two of your favorite hosts during a strike, no less. You get two bonus episodes that are just me and Andy. So if you like the fun, if you're not someone who fast forwards through the intros, you know, imagine forty five minutes of this. And this ain't Marin. I don't think people are fast forwarded. <laughs> We're giving tea. We're talking it out. Uh, last month, I did a half hour of stand up for the page on Zoom. The people who couldn't make it live, I left it up on the Patreon only for a few days so people could check it out. We're going to do another Zoom, like a Q&A, Kiki hang type of thing. Where we'll do like an hour. We'll answer questions. It's funny. The last time we did this, people got all shy and cute. And it's like, don't be shy. Mm-mm. Okay. We here to talk to you. So Stay ask. cute. Don't be shy. Stay cute. Be bold. It's okay. I'm workshopping it. Now, uh, Naomi, okay, so we have a voicemail here, you know, and when we play the voicemails or the comments here, you know, we get often get a lot, but a lot of times it's, and they're all very nice. No one's ever like, hey, you two pieces of shit, you know, but uh, when I play them, it's because it's a point of view that is very different from right. the advice we gave, right. or it comes from someone who wrote in that that note who is from St. Exactly. Paul and wanted like, to give let us- Let me give you the Minnesota messiness. Yes, right, yes, right, yes. Right, right. So we have now someone who called in who is also experiencing what struggling St. Paul was going through. All right, let's okay. hear it. Or not so, but anyway, you'll hear it. Hi, Andy and Naomi. My name is Lauren. She, her. 
Uh, Naomi may remember me from when Karen the orangutan got a COVID shot before any of us did, and I sent her a photo of me and Karen chilling at the zoo. Um, I felt compelled to call about the struggling in St. Paul story from this week or last week. Um, my partner and I actually started dating in high school. He was my first boyfriend. We have never broken up. We did long distance in college and moved back near each other for our PhDs, and we lived separate our first year so I could be walking distance to school, and I feel really strongly that this was important for the health of our relationship. Um, then we moved in together at 23, got two cats three years later, engaged after a year after that, and now we're getting married next year. Um, I'll be 30, and we'll have been together for 14 years at that point. So getting married feels like a lot more of a capstone than an entry into a new phase of life at this point for us. But um, the reason I'm calling is that you have to be so careful with this type of relationship. Um, we have always had our own friends, our own hobbies, been extremely conscious of not knowing adulthood without each other. Um, we definitely have had to be super careful about codependency versus healthy choosing each other as we work on our separate career paths and building our lifestyles. And when we were younger, people would tell us all the time that we were weird, we should break up, we should see other people. And this type of feedback always made us dig our heels in and get defensive compared to what more thoughtful questioning about our mental health might have accomplished. Um, so I felt a ton of pressure to get engaged and married soon after college to prove a point about our relationship. And I'm really glad that we waited until we had been thoroughly therapized and grown up a lot more. Um, and there was a lot of emphasis in the response to the question on the pod on the they didn't put themselves out there part and much less on two things that I noticed. Firstly, um, how maybe the sister could gently go about finding out if this guy is abusive. And secondly, how it's actually fairly fucked up to be kidding around about calling off a wedding. Um, there's like a, an extreme maturity issue with this couple who I suspect is getting a, a considerable sum of money from their parents if they're relatively fresh out of college having a wedding. Um, and the drama was seemingly no concern about family members forming a negative impression of the relationship. It just sounds to me like she's either crying out for serious help or just doesn't have open, healthy communication and conflict resolution habits with her partner. Um, either way, they probably want to get married to prove to everyone else that they were right about each other and deal with the sunk cost, and it's super dangerous. Um, those are my thoughts. Bye. Okay, Lauren, first of all, thank you for calling in. This is so, I mean, all of this, I would say yes, yes, yes. But also, it's crazy because literally, at the time we're recording this intro, just yesterday, I was thinking about you. I was literally thinking about Karen <laughs> the Orangutan. And I was I was just in this headspace where I was like, God, I miss all those bits from the half for the Netflix half hour and how I don't get to do them. And Carolyn the orangutan was like one of the newer ones, obviously, because it was about COVID. And then I was thinking about it, I was like, remember when that woman sent me a picture of her with Karen the orangutan? So the fact that you're writing in right now, I said, look at God, look mm. at all this. I put it into the ether, <laughs> the energy. So I was thinking about you, and here you are. But then back, but also back to your comment, which is like so thoughtful, so detailed. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. I agree. I mean, but this is the thing is like a lot of what you said, um, especially because when you talk about your relationship where you're like, well, we didn't get married till 30. And I think that is, you know, as you said, it's a capstone. You've done a lot. You know where you where you both stood. Right. And then also that feeling of being thoroughly, as you said, therapized. Mm. Say it again, black secretary. Mm. 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 
you got to be thoroughly therapized. I mean, Andy and I did, that's when we started couples therapy, when we got engaged, not the podcast, actual couples therapy, mm -hmm. when we got engaged. Because it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, there we're kind of having a few of the same arguments. And I said, I don't want to have these for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so let's unpack them. And I agree with you too. I'm, it's like what you said about sort of, and maybe, yeah, we did gloss over this of like, yeah, don't joke about not wanting to do a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> that. That's uh, again red flags. Both of these commenters talked, you know, in in their own way about red flags. Right, right, right. And their but in their experiences, and of course, it's like it worked out for them, but certainly recognizing that just because it worked out for for them doesn't mean it will necessarily work out for mm -hmm. you know our the person who called in sister mm -hmm. because it is an issue of like it's true. It's almost like okay, have you thought about? Then this is funny because in some ways are these two things at odds. Can you go to your sister, you know, the person who called in before and say like, have you thought about going to therapy just to deal with some of the anxiety around the wedding? Keeping it vague, letting that letting them kind of go for whatever, not being like, you should go to therapy because this is fucked. You know, you just use it at that because, you know, a wedding is a big deal. It's a big change. It's stressful. There's a lot of reasons to just go. But does that conflict with Minnesota repression yes. yeah the minnesota messiness that our other commenter said uh-huh you know what's in yes. line with i what? think we have <laughs> we have uh, what we call a classic hegelian contradiction Ooh, here classic and the dialectic of their love <laughs> we'll be right back after this <laughs> if your relationship looks like a christo installation it might have some red flags okay okay for the three people that got uh -huh. that uh-huh worth it Worth it's really it. a lot to both know um, you might be a redneck as <laughs> you, well as Jeff installation artist Christo, Christo yes, who there's put a lot up there. flags in Central Park in New York City approximately 10 years ago. Also the Reichstag, and that's why it's I always a beat with Andy because he's requiring you to synthesize. He's requiring you to he's requiring you to travel into your mind palace. Like Hegel has asked people to <laughs> synthesize. And synthesize. Um, what is this? Uh, the uh, keyboardist for Tears for Fears? So, Naomi, we have... Don't, it's too much. I did one for you. I can't do another one. Okay? So, you guys, thank you for these comments. We really appreciate it. Um, while you are reaching out and touching a bitch, okay? <laughs> we are I don't asking, know if you want to phrase it like that. Reach out and touch someone. Remember? That's what we used to call phone calls. Listen to me. We, you guys, we would love for you guys to call in with some more questions. As you know, we answer questions. A couple different questions from a couple different listeners. We, but what kind of questions, Naomi? We need... We love stuff that's a little light, mm -hmm. easy breezy. I think light and easy breezy is good. Is a little bit, you know, if you want to say to me, okay, how do I get my friend who always stays over too long to leave my house? That's the kind of question I'm talking about. Something light where you're like, how do, what's the best charcuterie plate to put out for my enemies? You know, some <laughs> my enemies. Andy, I'm improvising. Mm, shrapnel and jacks. See? And we could have fun with that. We just need some stuff that's a little lighter, a little easy breezy. You know, we try to sort of create a mix. But, and we appreciate, look, we appreciate your vulnerability. We appreciate you coming to two unlicensed comedians with the hard stuff. We really do. Because I listen to some other advice podcasts. And it's it's some bullshit questions <laughs> that they're getting. And I think we're getting, you know, you are all sensitive people. And yeah. I think you are you are calling in and writing with very sensitive questions. But sometimes I think we need something a little lighter to break up. Yeah, some you need of to both break it up, and also you know, depending on our guest, not necessarily as an individual, but you know, you have to like ease people in. You got to kind of have a little, a little something light that you can get into something a little bit more, 
serious, then maybe end a dismount. We need to just have some variation in that. So if you say, I have a question, but it feels so stupid, or I have a question, it feels inconsequential, give me that. That's what I want right now. That's what I want right now. And what's that number? 323-524-7839. And here's the thing. When the question's inconsequential, I ain't got to worry about you hitting the three-minute limit. Because that's going to be 45 seconds. You know what I mean? The little ones. So 323-524-7839. I've already talked about the page. You've got one more week to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh-huh. With a wedding horror story. Wedding yes. horror story. you got one more week, final week, because after that we will be picking the recipient of the only couples therapy butt plug in, <laughs> in existence. existence okay so come <laughs> at on the now. moment at least we if, if we ever figure out a way to actually mass produce them we will we we're will. working on it we're <laughs> working on it we're putting our heads together all right it's <laughs> getting done but Naomi, speaking of guests who can handle oh my god the serious stuff honey she uh, can take the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth who's our guest today the one the only friend of the show emily mm. gordon now come on emily gordon you know her Emily is an Oscar and Emmy nominated writer on strike. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can look up what uh, what the awards are uh, not what the awards she was nominated are for. Exactly, because right. we ain't gonna tell you because we're on strike. She is part of an interracial power couple, mm-hmm. much like us, mm-hmm. who've already been on the show, Emily and Kumail. So, without further ado, because this was a fun time, Emily's a dream. This was also an insane record in that we like had to. We didn't have internet, and then we thought we were going to lose it. Then we didn't know if we can get it. Then we were trying to fit it in. But honestly, sometimes it comes together. So without further ado, roll it. Andy, this episode almost <sighs> didn't happen. It's Everything's <laughs> off the rails today. We, uh, we, uh, we finished the last episode. Literally the last episode we recorded this morning. This is the day 100 of the strike. I'm going to set the scene yeah, for everyone. Set yeah. the so scene. everyone knows... <laughs> There's a COVID surge in Los Angeles, in the in the world, globally. Uh, uh, day 100 of the strike. Anything else that's emotionally tearing our hearts apart? Uh, anything, Emily? Just you know, yeah. Anything I mean, you're bringing to the table? Any darkness? I got, a, I got a, I got a cat who's a little sick. You know, we uh, we don't have to get into that. We yeah. shouldn't. But yeah, it's like all these things. Medicating a cat is, yes. you know. Oh, one we, of the worst? We do know. We one had, of the worst. We had to give yeah. budesonide today, and we had to capture him and ro- roll him up in a little blanket. Mm-hmm. And he's a fighter. He's a fighter. He's finding a way, so you think you've rolled him up, and you know they're lies. That one paw always yeah. gets yep. out. Yes. <laughs> and then he uses that to, like, cling to the couch, uh-huh. and then he slowly climbs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and I just whisper to her all the time, this is helping you. Yes. This is for you. Please don't do this. Yes, exactly. Yes, thank you. And then, um, uh, as we as we are just finishing the taping uh, another episode earlier today, the internet goes out for hours and hours worst. and hours. And Emily, you are very kind to have uh, bared with us. Yes, bared. Bear, I'm born. born. I'm born with you. You born. I Jason. I Jason born with you. <laughs> you did. Born you with definitely us. Definitely Jason born with us. That should definitely be the title of an album. Born with us. <laughs> and um, what do you think? Like a. It should be like a creep, uh, like a country creep. Born with us. You're born with us or you're born against oh, us. Yeah, like one of the born with us yeah, or yeah, we'll yeah. D- or you'll die outside of us. I without don't know us. Without us. 
yeah. born with us, die without, die without us. us. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is hard. This is harsh. Mm-hmm. Does that remind you of your Virginia roots? North Not Virginia, Ca- North, North Carolina. Carolina. North wow. Carolina. Wow. No, it took me a second. It took <laughs> the offense. The offense Sorry. I take. Oh my God. <laughs> North, it's not Virginia. She, North Carolina. It's right next to her. The home of Super Chunk, Naomi. The, yes. The only thing you can do is confuse me with South Carolina. And much uh, apologies to all my lovely South Carolinians out there. Um, it is, we're a better state. We're just a better state. It's, <laughs> you're, it's all it is. You are, yeah. You're the, the Southern Indie Rock Center of That's right. the United States. Wow. It's Archers very of Loaf. Yeah. Archers of Loaf? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Archers of Loaf is a, it's a real Loaf? band and they're one of my favorites in fact. <laughs> <laughs> you do, Emily and Andy, you do connect on the music wavelength. You yes, have a lot of the same that's music true. We, touch tones. Although, Emily, I think you were a, a teenage goth. So Teenage goth. I kind of went from indie kid to goth, but never stopped listening to any music. Uh, like, because I knew where I knew where I ultimately needed to be and would end up. <laughs> but I needed to get the darkness out. <laughs> Well, uh, let's let's uh, hold on that for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Where you know, was there a certain band? Did you hear like uh, Susie and the Banshees? And that like was that the thing that grabbed you? Like, what was it that? Like- I, it was like a breakup, and then kind of hearing the Cure in like middle school. That was like, mm. oh, this gets me. And then I started hearing, and then I heard Skinny Puppy for the first time. And I was like, oh, and now I have a place for my anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always still love pavement, but pavement's not going to get, that's not like your, your emotional pavement. <laughs> like, this just not going to happen. So I no. needed both. Yeah. 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 That was Black Flag for me. That was, I finding yeah. minor threat Fugazi, that kind of like. Yeah, and th- that's-, that's where our paths, I think, yeah. And I love Fugazi too, because everybody should love Fugazi, but there's a divergence there of like, are you corny? Or are not corny? And I was corny. So I went goth and industrial. I don't know. There's some corniness in Minor Threat. There's a little bit of like... (laughs) Also, uh, I know this is a visual. Naomi, your skin looks amazing. I don't know what... Thank you so much. That is a Zoom filter, though. It's a light one, I will say. It's not a heavy filter, but it's just like enough because... You look good, I feel perpetually like um, damp. You know what I mean? Like there's some humidity, you know, people used to say, you know, and that's how they got us over here. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. And there ain't no dry heat no more in LA. Okay. It's out here. There is a humidity. There is a moisture. You're making the wet though. It's us making the wet. The the world doesn't make the wet. We make the wet. (laughs) We make the wet. That's the tagline for global warming. We make the wet. (laughs) Wait, Emily, I want to go back to your, you getting into this goth phase because you you were a therapist and yes. i have to well, I, look sorry i i there was a moment as i was saying this where i'm like i was about to say so obviously you must have been emotionally aware but then <laughs> i i stopped myself because i'm like well just because you have the tools to talk to other people does not mean you necessarily have had those tools yourself when you were growing up i i guess the the question at the bottom of all of this was did you understand that you had some darkness that industrial music and goth <laughs> was there to release? Or was it just like you were this amorphous emotional blob and, and you were just moving towards the light of whatever music kind of expressed something you could not articulate within you? I don't I understand think, the question, but go ahead. I, <laughs> I think it was definitely more of the latter. I think I felt very out of control of my emotions, very out of control. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were controlling me. And the only place that ever, when I kind of listened to really angry and really emotional music, I it helped me feel less ashamed about how emotional I was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think all of that stuff helped because I kind of slowly learned to get my own emotions under control. Control is not really the right word, but maybe for a little bit it was. And then that kind of helped me see that kind of weirdly just naturally led me to becoming a therapist because then I ended up working with teenagers who were a lot like myself and were like, you don't understand. And I was like, mm, bitch, I do. <laughs> like I have, <laughs> I have been, I have been the kid who like, there's one girl who wrote in my yearbook. I, I got a yearbook. She wrote in it. <laughs> She wrote in it, I'm sorry that you were always crying in English class. Like, <laughs> and it's true. I cried every day in English class because I would see the boy who had dumped me just before that class. And I would just walk straight into class, sit down and just puddle, just collapse. I made my own wet. I would make my own wet. You did. You made your own wet. Most yeah. definitely. And I felt like I had no control of it. And I was like kind of embarrassed about it. And so I liked anything that felt emotional and like, out of control, but also seemed to have a power to it, I was really attracted to. Which, so sorry, Malcolmus, that is not you. No. Like, <laughs> no, no, not no. Pavement. <laughs> no, no, that's what attracted me to pavement was someone who, uh, there was like an intellectual nature yes. to it and yeah. an emotional deadness. Because I <laughs> could not, I asked, so maybe, Naomi, this makes it more sense to you, reframing the question like this. I could not articulate the emotions. And in fact, they were just like lying dormant in me, yes. except for anger. Anger was easy to express. Easy, so easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was like breathing. It was. Oh, <laughs> oh, second nature. Loved it. Loved those days. That those days. I miss oh, those days. We, we miss all miss those, those days. days. <laughs> just fucking like fly into a fury, and it's just. Like, oh, well, that's what I be doing all the time. No, 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 Naomi. No, 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 no. Yeah, what did you have, Naomi? What kind of emotional state were you in as a teenager? Oh, well, I was definitely much more, like, I am what you were saying about, like, I can't control my emotions. I was, like, always pining after someone. There was a lot of crying. I always say Ani DeFranco was my major touchstone. Okay. And there was someone who introduced me to her, like, freshman year. Like, a new girl came to school who... Um, High school? Yeah, high school, who looked at, like, Ani DeFranco in Fox... Not Ani DeFranco, what am I saying? Angelina Jolie in Foxfire. Do you remember, like, shaved head with a bang? Oh, I, like, I know Foxfire. this cool person? I yeah. said, who's this cool girl? We became friends. She introduced me to Ani. There was no going back. Uh -huh. um, but that's where I put, you know, all of that feeling. But, yeah, it was like the, the feelings were out of control. They were very intense. And it was very clear or... Um, it was told to me that like, there's something wrong with you. This is too much. Yeah, right. Too much. Like, too much. You're 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 really too much for everybody. But could you <laughs> articulate them? Did you know what? Like, okay, what I'm feeling now, I have a word for it. Oh yes, yes, yes. But Emily, you didn't. I knew it was. It was, it was just a ball of emotion. It was, and and any level of emotion was like kind of considered shameful, I suppose. Mm -hmm. In in my in my family of origin, like you're only supposed to be happy. You're not supposed to have any, it's embarrassing if you have yeah. any other. So all of them were together and bad. Well, it was funny because my mom would always say to me, she's like, what's so wrong with your life that you're so upset all the time? This is when you're like, she was like, it only gets harder from here. She goes, you don't have oh, no. bills to pay. You don't have anything to do. Oh, no. no one's relying on you. Why are you so sad now? And by the way, really all true, all technically <laughs> true. <laughs> I know. But also, yeah. 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 But the decision to be a therapist, because obviously it's like, that's one of those things where you really do, you know, you have to put in some study and some years, meaning you've got time to kind of say, oh, no, this isn't for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it's not a snap kind of no, no, decision. No, no. And so once you're in it, and especially, you know, when you start doing, what do you call it? Like when you have to get your hours, right? When you start Internship, to have, yeah. Yeah, when you're doing, when you start to engage with people, I feel like there's a lot of room 
for someone to just go, oh, no, 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 this was too much. It is, yeah, it, those first intern positions are really scary because they also, the people at the internships don't, um, they aren't giving you the easy clients, quote unquote. They're giving you the like, no one's been able to work with this kid so far. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. Why would they give that to the person who doesn't know anything? Though? Because I think they were almost imagining like a like a, a heartwarming 90s movie of like somehow we figured it out together kind of a thing. <laughs> and it would just be like a kid who like had was just going to be in therapy forever. And I remembered like the several kids that I got that they were like, oh, you'll get Malcolm. That's not his name. Here comes Malcolm. Yeah. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and so it was. And you would hear horrifying things. You would definitely fuck. You would fuck up and say the wrong thing and all of that. I just think it knowing people's business is so fascinating to me. I don't want to do anything with it. I don't want to go anywhere with it. I just love to know people's business. I love to know what makes them uh, yeah the way that they are. It's so fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, it's interesting. What? Well, here's the thing though. Do you get disappointed when it's just like some bargain basement Freudian shit and you're just like? <laughs> Uh, I know it's so I'm rare like, that we have like a professional, even though it's not what you do anymore. Andy and I are really taking advantage of the fact that we've got an insider. <laughs> but you're sure like, ask questions. You're this like, oh, your your dad. They they gave you a lot of praise and they withheld it. I get it. Like, <laughs> a, well, you know, that's what's so funny is that my first like four or five years of practicing, I worked with like some of the toughest, um, saddest kind of most intense cases. That by the time I got to that job that had those people. I was like, I was like your mom. I mean, I was like, you have no idea how good you have it. You're upset about this. Oh, my dad didn't give me. Look, no, your dad put a roof over your head. You're not homeless. Get out of here. Like I and that's when I realized I had to take a step back because I was um, I was getting angry at at how these people couldn't get out of their own way, even though that's exactly what therapy's for and what I use it yeah. for. But because I'd been working with people who had such uh, complicated, really intense problems and also, no spoiler, but I this is the job I got after getting out of the coma, and I was just burnt out in general. Oh, sure, <laughs> I think I, sure. Come I think on, I was yeah. just not in a good yeah. – I was not in the right headspace. So I got that job and very quickly was like, oh, I'm no longer feeling effective and good. I need to get out of this for a little bit and figure myself out. Um, so truly, it wasn't even the client's fault. It just was a confluence of suddenly working with easier, quote-unquote, clients, which are never easier. No one's easy. And also having gone through a real intense thing myself that I was just like, oh, I don't have the space for this right now, which was a yeah. bummer. It was a bummer to like to realize that and be like, oh, I guess I got to get out of here. Wait, did you when you got out of the coma, did you I mean, that seems I would assume a very traumatic incident. Do you do therapy then after that with yourself to kind of talk through? I, I did see it. I started seeing a therapist after that. Yeah, for sure. I had to. There was no like I was like, what the? I had no idea what was going. I was just like, how do I even make sense of this? I was fine. And then suddenly I was in the hospital for a month. So yeah, I, I put myself into therapy almost immediately. Okay. Immediately. Yeah. Now, yeah. and then, so you are doing all this stuff though. And then, and I don't, cause I'm not, it's not about business or process, but there is something to me that's very funny about you doing a job where you were like really of service and then being like, I'm gonna try Hollywood <laughs> because Hollywood is terrible. And I'm like, what happened, Em? It's always the other way. I keep hearing of people who are like in this industry going, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and be a therapist. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I struggle with that. I certainly struggle with that. And I tell myself, as we all do, we're telling stories that like speak to people and make people <laughs> feel less alone. And I'm doing like a making fun of myself dance since this is not, <laughs> uh, this is a podcast. But 
I, I definitely struggle with going from a job where I felt like I was actually making a difference in individual people's lives. Sometimes not a lot, but some to, to what, uh, to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, I don't even mean necessarily that, like certainly that's part of it, but as much as like, as you said, you know, especially those, those early years when you're dealing with people who are really going through complicated issues and then what it is to be on a set or be in a world where people are like, this is the most important thing to ever happen. And we're at a tent. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I help homeless people get back on their feet. Right. Like, yes. you gonna calm down what about... You You're screaming at me because, like, you didn't like the fifth iteration of a joke? That's yeah. what I mean. Like, it's yeah. hard for... I think that's more the part that can sometimes, to me, even just as somebody who came from doing anything else, right? Like, there are times where I'm like... Well, I was a professor. I'm like, I need everybody to take a beat. Like, yes, we are doing something... Like, right, we're telling stories. It's very joyful, but it's like, please don't calm treat down. this like it's the end of the world. Please don't. And I think, and, and since we all came from other things, it does help you not take it as seriously as other people maybe even want you to. But I'm just like, <laughs> I refuse to, I refuse to treat this as an emergency. This isn't yes. an emergency. And by the way, anybody has got the thing of like, well, I had something worse once. So therefore nothing. And it's not even that. It's just like, we can all calm down. Like yes. I, nothing is accomplished by everybody screaming at each other. We can all relax a little bit. We'll, we're going to figure this out. But like, this is not on my birthday when I kid like raised his hand as I was leaving. I was like, I'm going to kill myself and me being like, and there goes my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Turning around, putting down your bag, said, let's that's get into it. Literally, that's what happened is that I was leaving, had my bag, had my cupcakes that they had gotten me on my birthday. And then because they knew if they they also knew if they if they threatened, I'd have to stay and kind of fully investigate and get through it. And I was like. And that's how I turned 28 or whatever age I was. Yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah, share yeah. the cupcakes? I, I brought the cupcakes for them. I was like, I won't brought, I won't uh. have them on your birthdays, but on my birthday, we're going to celebrate everybody's birthday because I can't, like, they would always think it was unfair if one kid got cupcakes, but then we weren't there when the other kid's birthday. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, my birthday is everybody's birthday. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, well, that's how many, that's something to unpack. <laughs> that's something to unpack. Emily is saying, my birthday's yours too. Don't worry, I'm taking care of everyone and it will be fine. <laughs> Can we go back? What was the major issue to work through post-coma? Mm. Like what was, what? <laughs> oh, we are getting in. Okay. Um, <laughs> we don't have to. I just, I'm, I'm just curious about, about exactly. It was the idea that your life could, your life, and I, I might get emotionally even talking about it now, that your life could go away that quickly with that little of warning to you mm -hmm. and holy shit, is that what I, is that, was that it? Was that what it like, was I doing everything I wanted to be doing? And just like, where do you go? Where do you go after you uh, almost die? And how do you make sense of the world? And how do you make sense of what you're doing in it? And uh, yeah, just general, like, it's that thing where it's like, I realize, and I think, Naomi, you and I maybe even talk about this, where like people are like, well, we have to process this. I realize even as a therapist, I don't even know what that means. I don't <laughs> know what that is. Because in my own personal life, I'm like, well, I said it. It was scary. It was sad. Now what? Like, I don't. Is that it? Right. Is it done? Uh, is it cooked? Yeah. And I don't what? know if, if processing is talking with your friends. I don't know if it's talking with a therapist. I don't think it's rehashing the same details over and over. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting to what the, the primal emotion is at the bottom of it, like fear or sadness. And then it's like just giving yourself the space and having a, a, a person that is designated to hear. I'm, st I'm still thinking about how scary that was. 
when maybe other people are done talking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what processing is. <laughs> <laughs> My take on it is that it is just about that. It's, it's actually a physical thing. It's not a, it's not a, something you, you can talk through it and you should talk through it to get to uh, a certain kind of existential point to like, Oh, Oh, this is what this thing is. And then after that, it's literally just like adapting to adapting. Yeah. And then, and you can't choose to adapt. Your just body just does it or it doesn't. Right. And then there's various things you can kind of do. That's just my, I think that makes sense. Uninformed, well, I, not uninformed. I would say that's more like my philosophical angle. On. I mean, we all have shit we've processed. We all have like, so it's like, I, I just thought it was funny that as a professional, I had no idea what the term. <laughs> and I, I kind of always pictured it like it's a heavy load that you're carrying. And it's like, how much of it can you put down? And then what do you do to honor how you're putting it down so that you're not just throwing it down on the ground? Hmm. I used to have my kids, my, my clients do like um, funerals for like, if they like were trying to move past addiction, like we would bury like a drug, a, a drug, like we would bury something and be like, what gifts did this give you? What are you looking forward to not having to deal with anymore? Like we would do like a whole ritual. I'm really into rituals. <laughs> so I think maybe like that's what p- kind of part of processing is for me too, is like, is ritualizing. So you're not just saying the same thing over and over, but where do we, what's the next step after like this thing happened and it sucked. I'm always going, well, well now what? Now yeah, what? Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I remember when I first started therapy and I had a lot of trouble. I, I just kept, cause a lot of it is things like is metaphors like that processing or yeah. boundaries or whatever, like, you know, they're all physical metaphors. And I remember uh, pushing back all the time against my first therapist about like, well, what does that actually mean? Like you're telling me this physical thing, but what, what do I have to do? Do I have to like jump? Do I like, <laughs> do, I, do I do a little, like, is there a thing I do with my body to like, like move my hands like this or something like that? That is that. Cause otherwise I don't know how to do that in my brain. Right. Yeah. Did, and did your therapist tell you to do the hand thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I left quickly after that. She's just like, flap your hands. Like you're a little bird. And what if we had like some trick and we're like, Oh, show us what the trick is. And that, the <laughs> listeners would have no idea. There's a hand thing that makes it all go away. Everybody. Yeah. Join the Patreon. You'll see the video. You'll never know. <laughs> Having, you know, your background and it's funny. Cause there is something I, I try to make a conscious effort. Like because, I make a, I try to make a conscious effort not to come to you only with problems, <laughs> but at the same time, because I know you have a high threshold for problems as a result of your previous work, I kind of go, I could tell Emily and she ain't going to feel too burdened. <laughs> Do you find that you are that person for a lot of people, especially because so much of your social circle is, you know, comics and actors yeah. and crazy, you know, unwell people. <laughs> I think so. I, and I, ha- <laughs> yeah, I have, and I, if we're friends, I never mind. I never mind it because I feel like I could also come to you if I was having an issue and I have like, Oh yeah, no, it's good. I'm helpful on the other end. People don't realize that they think because I'm unwell that I can't be helpful, but I, <laughs> but I think I have also had like, I've had comedians like ask me to go to lunch with them that, who I don't know super well. And then I get there and they literally are just asking me, they're just trying to have a therapy session with me. Oh no. And I, and I don't know them. That's happened a couple of times. And so I'm like, if you're listening to this comedian, it's happened a couple of times. You're not the only one. And, <laughs> and, <names. laughs> and me being like, hey, well, you should probably get a therapist and them going, yeah, I got one. It's like, Okay, well, I don't know why. Why are we? Uh, I don't know. So I do have. Um, I have to like. I have to set boundaries with people I don't know as well. Mm-hmm. 
because when they hear it, it often it is like their favorite thing to do is to like start telling me horrifying <laughs> shit at a party. Like right. <laughs> we were at like a haunted house with a big group and Kermit was like, I was literally just like walking behind you and the guy just turned to you and was like, well, my cat. And then they start telling you this horrible story about this traumatic thing that had happened with their cat. And he was like, it's just who you are. And so people are like, come on down. Um, and I do think it's partially because I've developed a, I don't um, have, I, 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 I'm, I try to be not, I am non-judgmental. Like it's hard to phase me. Like I've not, it's rare that I've ever heard something that I've gone like, oh, holy shit. Like, yeah. And that's partially an act and partially something I've worked on, but it is a little creepy then sometimes when my friends are telling me messed up stuff and I'm like, that's interesting. And they're like, <laughs> that's all you got? <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But uh, working on a neutral face, you've got a, a neutral. Well, I, I say I want my therapist, any therapist should be inscrutable. I want, yes. I want a little, almost, almost a little dead behind the eyes. The idea that they've heard so much that yeah. nothing is impressive. Well, nothing. that's a Freudian yeah. thing. That's a Freudian, like they, you know, they're just this blank canvas. And so if they don't react, then you start, you have to like go further into it. Otherwise that's you're, right. gonna, you're going mm. to then, whatever their reaction is, then you have to, it will change your reaction and how you start talking about it because you're everybody's always monitoring how the people around them are reacting. So it is a thing, even though I didn't train in a Freudian sense of like, you be neutral. Like, who are you to like do a disgust face when someone is telling you something weird? Like, the fuck do you think you are? Listen to them. That's what you're there for. Um, so yeah, it's very rare that I've, I've yeah, you just kind of keep a poker face for sure. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of not good at it. I've I've tried to learn how to do it, not necessarily for interpersonal things, because I am not judgmental. You do not have friends. a poker face. Not, <laughs> I'm not judgmental. Uh, but it's like I'm trying to, I think more so for work, right? Like yeah. a lot of times I got to deal with a Caucasian who's not getting it. And I have got to learn to not convey Just my that, frustration. That, that little, Just that eyebrow. Like, like I can't help it. Yeah. You see her, I, eye, her eye twitching. Yeah. <laughs> Especially over Zoom. It makes it so much harder because I find that faces that I think that I can hide, like if I'm making like a oh, fuck off face to, in a meeting in person, I can kind of hide that. But when everybody's faces are right here, you just see me going, oh, like, <laughs> really? oh, no, I love this because I can look at my face yes. and then and then adjust quickly. Me too. I can I be look like, at my oh, wait, face. You're, you're giving a. I've had face. to do the like, oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, I'm doing yes. a yawn. It's not a. <laughs> I've definitely done that. <laughs> uh, my therapist is very inscrutable. Is very much like just like a a glass surface. <laughs> and she, I, I learned that I didn't realize I was doing this, but like, there's also this kind of Freudian. Mm. When someone says something to you, you just go, mm. and that's not. It's like an uh, acknowledgement, but a non-reaction. Yeah, yeah. And then they keep. I, I, and then I, I get just, annoyed. And I then I done get annoyed that for a long time, just to like get people to. To talk like oh so like, you're doing... you're saying you do it but your therapist yes. also does it yeah yes i learned I, I realized that's what she was doing i was like oh yeah. or like i i realized what that what i was doing through her as i'm examining her because i do a lot of confronting her too and being like you're just you, are you bored by this like what's going on <laughs> oh the all oh, the are you bored people oh those <laughs> clients oh my goodness <laughs> that is a very and then as i would always say it's like so interesting that you want to focus on me and not on the work that you're supposed to be doing. Oh, it actually has nothing ooh, to do with me. Messy. Like, <laughs> rude and rude. And my response to that is, <laughs> I just want to make sure that, that I'm entertaining you. What you yes. 
that you're not that look this is still a this is still a conversation that's going i understand that is in a therapeutic context but it's still a conversation and as someone that does not want to bore people who i'm in a conversation with i want to make sure that there's something here that's so you want to talk about your people pleasing issues is that where you want to go next <laughs> we have not gotten to that weirdly you haven't no oh, that's you gotta get to the fact that you want to be liked but you also don't like anybody i know <laughs> we gotta unpack that it's what a contradiction what a contradiction Henny. multitudes containing the multitudes <laughs> okay so let's go back I to high school well oh you want to do high school because i want to go to like dating and stuff yeah that's i want to start with let's go the, i'm i'm here for whatever this the got transition. I want to know, was it the boyfriend that you were crying over in English class that like prompted the move? The move to golf, you mean? Yes. Okay. The cure, like the cure, cured you. A little bit. I also was bullied a lot. And then I found that once I kind of started wearing black, all black, uh, the people who bullied me were suddenly kind of frightened of me. And I uh -huh. thought, oh, there's power there. Like They thought you were going to be like the craft. They thought you I were going to cast a spell. And this was pre-craft. Like, because oh, I'm old, uh, <laughs> and I was very offended when the craft came out. <laughs> so dumb. But they, yeah, I, I found I was like, oh, these people who were fr literally were like frightened of me and like saying that I was a Satan worshiper, and I was like, oh, great, I'm not getting bullied anymore. Cool. I was still getting bullied when I was like a like hipster like alternative kid, like a grunge right. kid. But once I kind of moved into the goth realm, nobody was bullying me anymore. I'll take mm. that. Right. What what age is it? Like, is this ninth grade? Yeah, like tenth grade. I'd say around okay. ninth grade, I was full like go, like grunge kid, and then tenth grade, I like really transitioned. Mm. <laughs> to, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No one bullies a kid that's into ministry. I think that's, that's true. It. Like you I can't. That is. You, <laughs> they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> they're scary. But sort of, what is your you know, because it's because it's funny because also too, you know, you, you're a fan of a TBT. So you and I'm also just shocked that you have so many pictures from your past, like accessible and ready. Um, <laughs> so you'll post stuff on IG, you know, you younger, you goth, you were and the and the Emily I know is just like so bubbly, so warm. And I'm one. And I know goth doesn't mean that you're mean, of course, but you're saying that people did keep a distance from you. I was always this bubbly. That's a little bit why it never worked. I've always <gasps> been this hyper and it's I've always been this like. And, and so it never really quite worked. But what I could do was a, I kind of adopted this persona of like scary, like looking scary. But then I wasn't that at all. Like I truly wasn't. So I could I could pull it off for like a few minutes if I had to. Like, <laughs> but I anybody who knew me, that's why like most of the people in high school who were like my friends before I went evil stayed my friends, even <laughs> if they weren't evil, because they were like, well, this is dumb. We know that this is dumb. Um, and so... I was never, I never, I could kind of do it for a minute. And I was this emotional, like I was this hyper and then I would be this crying and I would, like it was all over mm -hmm. the place. But for the most part, I was just a really hyper goofy kid. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Your goth phase was my ska phase. Ooh. I just realized. <laughs> wow. Now that I would have made fun of you. The judgment. The judgment. Where are we I mean, it's just, it's got, it's most like, it's even hacked to make fun of how corny it is. Cause it's like, everybody just makes fun of it. Yes, I'm so it sorry. Is, <laughs> it is the carrot top of music. Yeah, but like, were you, so this, but I'm, but this kind of personality kind of high school into college, are you dating a lot? You know, yeah. are you, um, yeah, you are, lot. you're going yeah. a lot. Cause when you have, know Did a lot about game? Did you have swag? I did have, I had swag because I knew about music and I knew about horror movies. 
I've oh, been yeah, like boys love that. Back I've then. been like that, yeah. but I'm like they date me, and then when like an even slightly like a hot girl even slightly shows interest in them, I am kicked to the curb, and it's like. <gasps> And and then he's like, oh, I'm going to teach her about horror movies. And I'm like, I know about horror movies. What? You're like, I days? taught you. You're like, I taught you about horror movies. And now you're going to teach her. That's what would happen. That's that truly the story of my younger years was like kind of the being around like movie bros and like music bros who then would leave me for like uh, more attractive girls <laughs> who were normies. Who were We talked about this kind of with Lauren. Lauren Eve Mayberry, of course, your friend who we met through you. But we talked about this a little bit, right? Like music guys. And the way it was like they wanted someone they could sort of teach. They well, wanted, they yeah. really wanted to teach. They did. Yeah. yeah. I really thought getting into indie rock that if you liked music that was left of the dial, that that also meant that you were, that your politics lined up with mm-hmm. that. And I just found out that. You were unshackled from the norms? No. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> that, exactly. is, that is, that these groups are. Are the same demographics as the people that listen to like Bon Jovi or something yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. right? You're gonna yeah. have misogynist Bon Jovi fans, and you will have misogynist Yola Tango fans. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really yeah. been freeing for me as an adult to because I'm still friends with movie bros, <clears throat> and now when they're like, "No, actually, this movie is like," I just go, "Yeah, sure, whatever, that's fine." <laughs> like I don't care. And that makes them so, and these are my friends. That makes them so upset because they want the argument. They want yeah. me to like fight, and I'm just like. I don't really, I don't need to, I don't need this. It's yeah. fine. You're right. You know what? You're right, baby. You're so right. Uh, because I've been doing it my entire life. <laughs> but by the way, wait, sorry. Can I, that voice, I love the idea of that voice being someone arguing about like criterion stuff or like, like eight and a half, man. Like Fellini totally influenced Hal Harley and like the downtown New York indie film scene of the early 90s, bro. <laughs> That voice that's is what so that. that's, that's what it sounds. Yeah, that's what you're hearing no matter what. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm that way about, like, I think in general, like, whenever someone's like, like I don't want to argue about stuff. Like, I want to like what I like and I just want to like it and I don't want to actually have to explain to you why I like it or hear from you why it's not good. Like, part of me is like, uh-huh. uh-huh. I think it's also sometimes why I struggle in a writer's room. Like, I don't like to fight over ideas. Mm. Yeah. Meaning, I don't necessarily need to hold on to mine that bad. Yeah. But I don't want to kind of go back and forth with you about why it's worthwhile. I'm kind of like, are you into that's it? No. Real. Okay, I'm done. And then I just kind of, I'm like, okay, you want to find something else then? Like, we ain't going to get into this. I ain't getting into this with you. Because can't you, can't you kind of feel sometimes that the person isn't really fighting for their idea as much as they just want to fight? Yeah. Like, and, totally. and when I can feel that, I'm like, oh, this is, we're not trying to make this better. You just want to win. And yeah. you get to win. I'll let you win. That's fine. Yes. Yes. yes I don't yes, care. Yes. Yeah. I don't like, really, like, yeah, I don't, I'll make, Honey, if this would get you through the day, I go, honey, we're all struggling. And yeah. if what you need us to win, I'm going to let you win. And then, by the way, notice we both do it in that voice. It lets them know clearly they are not winning. They just think that they are. And that's manipulation, baby. And I love it. <laughs> um, can can I ask you about being married before? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How old were you when you were married the first time? I got married at the first time at like 20. Two or three. I got married very young. That's what I want to say. What's you were is that a, a is that a religious thing? <laughs> no, not raised not raised super religious, but raised by uh, my my parents got married when my mom was maybe eighteen, had just turned eighteen. Oh, like, wow. and it's everybody I grew up with, you meet your husband in high school. 
That's it. Wow. Like you don't, you don't go. So, and I, I only realized this recently. My mom would always, for my high school boyfriends who were pieces of shit across the board, except for the one, love you, Carlos. You're my best friend. He is my best friend. <laughs> but uh, mostly pieces of shit. My mom would be like, do you love him? Do you think he's the one? And I would always be like, Jesus, is this supposed to be the one? What are we doing here? But my mom, but my dad when she was in high school. So yeah. to her, I was making very high stakes decisions by dating these guys. But to me, I, I did not want that. Mm -hmm. But literally by the time I got to college, I met my first husband in college. And then we went to grad school together. And by the time I was in, with him and in grad school, it was already like, hey, you're already late. Like everybody else wow. has gotten married in my hometown. Everybody else I know has gotten married. Everybody in my grad program was getting married. Oh my God. Everybody. Like we were having having to have wedding showers like every Friday. We just put it in as part of the curriculum. No. I'm not kidding. For like, and the people I went to grad school with can back me up on this. We like almost every single Friday we would do like a wedding shower. It just got to be this weird routine thing because everyone was getting married. Wow. And we thought we were supposed to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 Ooh, the pressure of that is so real. That feels like so stressful to me. Just hearing the and, fact that it was so natural that it was even part of like the grad school experience. It's like, okay, this is the married cohort. We're just going to do this. Yeah. And this is what love is. And also, by the way, we were all in grad school. So we were going for our education, but that did not negate you also right. need to be yeah. married. Yeah. Right, right. You went to school in the South. You went to grad school yeah. in the South. Okay. So it has to be because we're around the same age. And just like the uh, my cohort in grad school just like, like not, <laughs> not even together. Yeah, no, no did not have it together emotionally. Certainly not emotionally, but definitely not mm -hmm. like people are in relationships and stuff like that. Right. But nothing. And what was your fields? Philosophy. I mean, see, there you go. That's I mean, philosophy versus like carers, which is what therapists. It was like my field was my cohort was all women. They were like four men in my program. Like it just was a very like it was Southern. It was wonderful, great training, but also it was very like, oh, like a lot of them had plans of like, oh, I'm going to do this for a few years and then have kids. Like yes. that was like part right. of the, right. Uh -huh. but right. we're all there. Like, you know, all yeah. wanted to get the education and do the work, but right. Yeah. And so then wait, was he also in the same grad school program? Not the same or, program. Okay, so, same was, pro so just it, also grad school. Okay. Yeah. What was he studying? Uh, psychology as well. Okay. But different. So, He's more of a, th a researcher. Uh-huh. And so, you know, so you're, go so you do this. At the time that you're moving forward, you know, with the engagement and with getting married, is there is there a nagging sense that maybe you're going through the motions or was it just was it not that as, as Buffy much? once sang in <laughs> the Buffy going musical through the motions, <laughs> faking it somehow. I think I thought I did. I loved him and I he was so kind to me and I thought, oh, this is this is what we do. This is yeah. just what we do. I think a little bit and a little bit I had. For quite a while, I was just like, oh, just do the thing. And I almost would be like, oh, just keep your head down and do the thing. It's fine. Just keep your head down. And then at some point, I was like, oh, this is the rest of my life. Like, you can't uh -huh. just say that about the rest of your life. You can't just say, I'm going to keep my head down and just get through this. <laughs> yes. That's a not a great way to, do. it's a great way to approach a, a tough month or whatever. But, um, <laughs> and by the way, our marriage was lovely. He's a lovely human being. No mm -hmm. part of it was miserable. It just wasn't, yeah. we both, it wasn't right for either one of us. And we both kind of knew it, I think, but oh. we didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, that in some ways can make it harder to separate, yeah. right? As you said, like when it's like nothing's bad, it's Nothing just was not awful. it. It feels yeah. like it's, it can be harder because you don't have a thing to point to, to yeah. quote unquote justify. Yeah. Especially sure. as you're saying in a world where everyone around you is married and your mom is like, are you sure? <laughs> Guys, there's actually a question about this. 
Wait. Ooh. Okay, we might have to get to it. We might. Have I to just get ra- to it. and I, that one I just randomly picked. Wow. I okay. knew nothing. I knew n- literally nothing about your first husband or anything about the relationship. <laughs> so I just want to say this is well, this universe speaking well, it, through me. I mean, universe you telling have a third eye. And he does have a third eye when it comes to picking questions for the guest. He just kind of senses them. I mean, and some are obvious. There's also a question about interracial relationships. So well, that's I different. Mean, well, that's different. That's always that's evergreen when it comes to you and me. We can always. That's right. That. You guys can do that anytime. Who the guest is? It's an evergreen. I think. I think this is actually a good segue into taking a break, so okay. we can get into it. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna answer your questions. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss and we're back with emily gordon okay a former licensed professional it doesn't get any better than this you guys it doesn't get any an oscar nominated licensed professional emily do you miss the credentialization do you miss the like you you can just point to it like uh i have my that's so funny i literally use that same term i point like i would i used to have a thing i could point to and go i'm qualified to be here yeah i'm not imposter i'm qualified yeah and I don't have that anymore. It's very yeah. sad and scary. <laughs> yeah. I know the same thing, the feeling. I don't even know yeah. what happened to my degrees. They're sitting somewhere in some drawer. I found mine when we moved. One of them had shattered. The glass had shattered. Because oh, uh, no. I technically have two. It's two degrees technically. It's like, Camille always makes fun of like, oh, two master's degrees. But <laughs> it is technically two pieces of paper. And my parents got them very ostentatiously framed, which was like really making up for like my, I'm like 23 and like have these like massive framed <laughs> degrees. But one of them, the glass had shattered. And so now uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with that either. Is that I a metaphor? I, yeah, I right. It's, it's a metaphor, but also put it on the wallpaper of fake books. Yeah. It's like, is it real? Is it not? But that could be the thing where you go, see, that's actually three dimensional. Yeah. It would be really funny to put them up in my office now and be like, I got what you need. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need? Come on in. <laughs> um, okay. Do the spiel, Andy. We get these questions from all over <laughs> from Instagram, Twitter, voicemails, of course, our favorite Gmail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Naomi, what's the voicemail number? 323-524-7839. There is a three-minute limit, you guys. You got to start out with your pronouns and the log line because you'll get cut off. You know how that happened. And then we got to kind of retrofit and be like, wait, what was the question? All right. 
I, I, I have this for third, but let, why don't we do it first? Since it's it first. apropos yeah. of what we've been talking about here. We go. Hello, Andy and Naomi. Um, I called y'all about a, a year ago about uh, the serial love bomber. And I was thinking about this because a friend of mine was like telling her friend a story about how I called into this podcast about this crazy man. Um, but anyway, I'm, re- I'm returning to your voicemail box because I'm going through um, – another breakup and I think the advice I need is talking about you know when you break up with someone who is really good to you um the person I started dating after the love bomber <laughs> was a guy who'd been um my best friend for a while we had dated previously like a year before and he didn't do anything terrible to me he just um needed to work on himself and I felt like there wasn't like strong sexual chemistry between us so I called it we spent some time apart and then came back together and became best friends um so last fall I started to feel like wow like I've gotten so close to this person and maybe this is worth trying again um things felt really sparkly and great for a couple months and then I started to take on some pretty big stuff in my life things got more and more stressful we started talking about getting more serious and then we just it didn't work out and the thing is like he's a really awesome person he wants to stay together it's me you know instigating the breakup again we actually broke up about a month ago, and finally, it's like I got my stuff out of his house, and we said we're not talking anymore. That took like four weeks to happen, but I'm I'm feeling like a little like am I just being selfish? Like am I just being stubborn? Because I see friends around me who are staying in these relationships where that person, like the other person in the relationship, like doesn't have shared interests with them. Like me and this and this guy that I just broke up with, we have so much like that we share, but at the same time, like I don't. I don't want to sleep with him. And part of me thinks like, oh, well, maybe I could just have that connection like grow over time. But the other piece is that like he's a major extrovert and I'm an introvert, but he wants to get like all his energy from me. And I want to spread the little energy I do have across many people. And when he wants all my time, I can't, I can't do that. So there, there are, like, legitimate issues here, but he's also, like, a great person. So I guess I'm just wondering if you have any advice on, like, forgiving oneself for wanting wanting more. And I just... Oh, okay, and this off. is a prime example of the three-minute cutoff. This is what we're talking about. This is a prime example. I was like, there's no way anyone could ever leave a three-minute message, but hey, yes. <laughs> it got caught up. But yeah. what we got was, yeah, the, you know... Advice on forgiving yourself, uh, on not feeling bad for wanting more. Can you yeah. speak to this, Emily? You know, as our yes. guest, we always have the guest go first. But when yes. the guest is a professional who Emily, also has some experience, preach on it. Preach on I, it. I always like, and I've done this as a person who's been in therapy as a as a client as well. Been like gone in, and my therapist just been like, "Do you just want to be absolved? Because magically you're absolved. Like I've done it. If that's what you're looking for, got you. You're absolved." And what? A, and it was such a startling thing when a therapist did it to me that I was like, "I got to use that with other people." Because it is that thing of sometimes you just go in wanting to hear 
you're not a bad person for doing this. You didn't do, it's okay. Let your, let it go. Um, and when it comes to situations like this, I always try to ask, is the person, is the person expecting a perfect relationship, the kind that doesn't exist? And that's the, like, where's the bar? Mm -hmm. Is the bar impossibly high? And this person, nobody has a chance of reaching it. Mm. Or is the bar at a reasonable place? And it's just not, it's just not working out, even though parts of it are good. And from what it sounds like in this, I do feel like her bar is an appropriate place. I don't mm. feel like what she's looking for in a partner is like, he's got to be always there for me and read my mind and bring me oatmeal in the morning and blah. Like, <laughs> she's not like looking for things that are at once like uh, kind of like ridiculously specific and also like it, nobody, you got to care for yourself in the way that you want someone to care mm. for you yeah. like that. I don't feel like she's doing that. I, I think yeah. just from this message. So I think it is. It's okay. And I've had personal experience. It's okay to let someone go who is a good person, just not your person. That's exactly how I would describe my ex. He's a wonderful person. He just was not my person. Right. That's all. And that doesn't. Sorry, go on. How did I leave him? (laughs) How did you figure it out? No. (laughs) How Uh, did you figure it out? It just was a slow. There were a couple of little things that happened. And some of them, I, I, some of them I, I can't, but there were a couple of little things that happened that I, I, we would see an example of something happening in like a movie or something that was like a relationship. And I would think to myself, that's so unrealistic. Of course, it's in a movie. A relationship would never be like that. And then going, oh, wait, would it? Like, am I, it, that's maybe not Hollywood being unreasonable. That's maybe me just kind of accepting a relationship that's like, uh, like, a few parts of what I'm looking for, but not all of what I'm looking for. And no relationship's ever going to be all of what you're looking for, but it should take a couple of key boxes. Mm-hmm. And those boxes are different for everybody. And it sounds like for her, those boxes are not either not being ticked or being over ticked. Uh, well, she's, well, she also said too, she's like, I don't have like physical, like she doesn't want to sleep with him. So I think that's a very big, big problem. Yeah. And it's a difference between, I don't want to, have sex in general and I don't want to have sex with this person and yeah. I think it's like and she says like because they were best friends then got yeah. together then took a break then got back together and I think it's it can of course you have this feeling when like we get along in so many other areas yeah that's what I friends should. do exactly like, I should want to be with you it's like well yeah. but exactly it's like but also that's just what friends are friends yeah. are people who you who you enjoy but don't want to be with it's totally okay for that person to just be a friend and like for like feeling like oh my energy he wants all of my time and energy and I don't have that to give. That's a pretty big box that he wants ticked that you don't want to tick. So I think yeah. that's an issue on his end that like you're maybe not the right person for him either. Like, right. because I also, and I don't mean to gender things, but I do find like guys are sometimes like, well, you're perfect for me. What are you talking about? Why are you upset with me? You're perfect for me. I love you. And it's like, no, you don't. I know. Like, <laughs> you're just not being honest about what you want from a relationship and telling yourself that I'm great for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean this is me personally. I mean, generally, men will kind of convince themselves that they're happy in a relationship because they think they're supposed to. And women are sometimes overly like, and again, this is just straight cis relationships I'm talking about. Women will sometimes overly be like, what if he's not the one? And we both need to like meet in the middle a little more. Yeah. Well, as as you said, sort of like, again, your grad school time, that time where like people were, I think there's a lot of conditioning that happens to people. And I think sometimes I think a lot more 
I know of more cishet women who have been told like, or who have like um, made their list, right, of what they want. Their who list, have thought about yeah. that. Whereas I don't know as many cishet men who have done that or been told to do it or who have thought about doing it even. Like yeah. something Andy and I always talk about where I'm like, am I who you imagined you'd be with, right? And he's like, I never had an idea. That's exactly what Kumail says. He had <laughs> no idea. And, and, that's, and that's why I think women end up being the ones to leave because men think, oh, I, I have the relationship. That box is checked. Done. Right. Girlfriend, there. Didn't just think there. about whether or not the girl is meeting their needs. Don't think about what their needs are. Men don't ever think about what their needs are. Oh, poor men. But also, <laughs> but I do think it's true. And so I, then I think men are always like blindsided when women are like, you were clearly unhappy. And they're like, what are you talking about? And they are. And they've been unhappy for years. And they just um, won't let themselves feel that, mm-hmm. which is a bummer for men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot more people, I think it is like, you know, so much of like the gender boxes, you know, and I think people, so much. gender boxes are so confining and so painful. And then the extent to which any person is aware that they're even in the box, right? It's an Iron yeah. Maiden. It's yeah. a sarcophagus. Yeah. But not all people know they're in it, right? Like some people are like, this box is quite roomy. I enjoy it. I love the touch of the spikes. Exactly. Some are like, ooh, they're scratching an itch. I love these spikes. <laughs> but then other people are like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And well, that's yeah. just such a spectrum. Not all people yeah. kind of feel it, but I think it's always there. My life pre-therapy was that. I was in relationships where I was pretty unhappy, but I, c- I was just like, well, but I'm in a relationship, so that's fine. That's so it. it's that's fine. literally yeah. the extent of it. And then- <laughs> then I learned what a real relationship was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, I was always just so preoccupied with someone liking me that it took a long time for me to think mm. of, like, whether or not whether I or actually not. liked them. Because I was like, you... Oh, Naomi, I always rip my headphones out. That is so real. <laughs> that is so real. Yes, yes. I was like, okay, they like me. This is good. And then... I'll and then figure I'm, it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll make this work. And then I went through it. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to find a guy who is going to be able to take all of me, accept all of me. So I'll just go for someone who's nice enough and isn't a problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Like someone yeah. who's like not actively detrimental. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're vibe. hard to love. Do you know what I mean? I, so I, many women I hear saying that, but I, but I don't, do you you're not hard I, to love. But also I know you, what you mean. as someone with a lot of emotions, right? Like I think I was always told I was too much. Me too. So, it was, so that, I think that's what it was. It was like, okay, I know they can't really handle all this. Yeah. And then who would have thunk? This petite Jewish man could handle it. Because I know I didn't think Andy could. I said he delicate as hell. And then here he go. Here he go. Strong and capable. Tougher, tougher absolutely tougher than anyone <laughs> anyone ever knew. Exactly. <laughs> My people walked 40 years in the desert. <laughs> 40 years in the desert. He's like, 40 years in the desert? I could take her yelling for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's how it works. But yes, you are absolved. Let's get to You are more. absolved. Yeah. You're absolved. You're absolved. Yeah. Let's do a more. Okay. Let's do the one about interracial relationships. All right. Hi, Naomi, Andy, and amazing guests. That's Thank true. you for taking my question. Let me get right to the thesis. For all the biracial and national couple, excuse me, biracial and binational couples out there, how do you navigate cultural misunderstandings versus unhealthy behavior? Mm. How do you find each other in the chaos of misunderstandings? I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. And let's get to the tea. (laughs) I'm from a white American family raised in the liberal Bay Area. We welcomed everyone. We never had or have, for that matter, the same group for holidays and gatherings. Friends, family of friends, and neighbors were always welcome. And I grew up seeing many members of my family and loving biracial and mixed-faith families. 
So it was no surprise when I met my partner that my family opened their hearts and their mind. Only I loosened my butt. Uh, but one more thing about my family. I also had a child, I also had childhood trauma from sexual assault starting early on. Ooh. I learned to create boundaries. Thank you, therapy. Speak directly about my needs and cherish the relationships in my family that are safe and loving. My partner, on the other hand, is from a wealthy Indian family with lots of expectations about our image. Mm. Their family is tight-knit and expected their, fa- their child to marry someone they chose. For the last year, they have oscillated between curiosity about me and rejection of us. Mm. I feel like we're walking on eggshells all the time. The best way for us to survive is to heart- hide parts of ourselves because overt boundaries are considered disrespectful. We also have to create space for the intrusive nature of the loving reality of Indian families. The rejection has become more intense now that we have learned I live with a lifelong health condition. Well, they have learned. They have been unfair in their concern, acting as if um, I will bring bad genes into their otherwise healthy family. It's offensive and scary for my family, but I'm trying to hold space for their reality and their fear. This whole situation is fraught with misunderstandings, and a fear of uncertainty. My partner and I are at a loss and are questioning whether or not we deserve the life that we hoped for together. Mm. We need to hear from more people like us. How do you navigate these cultural misunderstandings and how do you find each other in the chaos? Thank you so much and please give the critters an extra pet. Well, first of all, and this is one thing I always say with voicemails where this is why I appreciate a voicemail. I can hear what you're going through right now. I can hear how hurt and tired you are by this process and you know i'm so so sorry i'm so so sorry you're Mm -hmm. in this right now because i can hear the toll it's taking on you and it is you know this shit's real now emily as you were listening to this you had a few facial expressions where at one point emily had to sit back in a chair emily said hold on hold on hold on it's getting too real i'm in it i mean (laughs) it's yeah that's that's intense that's intense stuff and i you know I'm going to do my best to try to, I'm a, I have, my family is uh, Pakistani, Muslim and wonderful. And it is, it, hi, I'm sorry, kitty cat. Uh, <laughs> has appeared in front. Uh, and it is also, there are cultural things to navigate that I, I'm glad that, um, I'm sorry, what were the pronouns? She, they. She, they. I'm glad that she is coming to this um with an understanding that there are differences, like there are differences mm-hmm. and that that is okay. It is really tough. And so none of this speaks to my personal experience. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. it is tough to have to create boundaries even within, uh, within the family of your beloved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, it's tough. That's a really, it's awful. Like that's, there's no, and I, and I'm very curious what, um, what their partner what their take is on this if they are i learned so much uh about different ways to show respect to your family and to your parents through the relationship that i'm in and and that's been really great for me but i think um i unfortunately think that they it's it's two things just have to be true at the same time in these scenarios like they love you and want the best for you. And also they have a really terrible way of communicating and they yeah. are not uh, doing great about being tactful. Um, and some of that is cultural and, and some of it is 
is just interpersonal. And I don't know what those, I don't know what that is. I don't know what those lines are, but I do know, um, I do know you're not alone in that stuff. I'm not speaking to myself at this point, but I do know you're not alone in feeling like, oh, we're just not communicating clearly because we're from, from these like two different, the way that our cultures communicate is different. The way that we, the level of tact is different. The level of openness is different. That stuff all hurts. And I think do your best to as much as you can. And it means that you have to work harder and that sucks, but do your best to not take it personally because you are up against, this is no one's doing anything intentionally to hurt you. Uh-huh. I, I agree, but I, but I think a big part of this too, and this is what we don't know and what you caller have to um, think about, what is how is your boyfriend behaving in this? Because it that's is true. That it's, it's, it's that's the crux of it. Yeah. Because the fact is, and we were talking about this, you know, with another guest too, where you're like we're talking about kind of this cross cultural things and sort of how when you're in a couple, it's always like you deal with your family, I'm gonna deal with mine. Yeah. And when it comes to boundary setting, it really is on the person, yeah, the blood relative to set the boundary for the couple. Very um, much so. But that can also be very hard when, of course, you have the person has a connection to their family where it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, I've, I've, let's say like for 30 years, I've done whatever my parents wanted. It's going to be real hard now to say, I'm not going to do what you want. And guess who they blame? Of course. They don't, they don't, they're not like, oh, our child is growing up. They're like, oh, this person came into our lives and now is making our child behave in a different way. Yeah. And I get that too. Like I, I see everybody's perspective. Right. Right. The gene stuff, the bringing in the gene stuff is that's hard. That's a tough thing to hear. Well, that's tough. but this is when, and this is why I'm like, you know, how are you hearing this? Are they saying this to you? Is your boyfriend coming home and telling you what they've said? Like, want to swab you <laughs> as you walked past? But I just think it's got to be something like, hey, if your parents are talking, are saying hurtful things, first of all, please don't convey them to me. Yeah. Uh, don't tell me. I don't need yeah. to know that stuff. I don't yeah. need to know it. And then also, if when your parents are saying that stuff, you know, around, I need you to step up and say, that's not that's appropriate. Mean, hey, that's mean or that hurts up. feelings or, yeah. you know, again, the respectful way you have to, however you need to talk to your parents to let it sink in to them. Like maybe if it's not in the moment, if it's pulling one of them aside, if it's, you know, you know, how, however you, you've gotten through to your parents in the past, yeah. you need to take that approach now. Yeah. And that the, the onus is then on your partner. And it's like, this is where it's like, as you said, like it's a little more work. It's something they're going to mm. have to do because what makes me sad is when you say, we're rethinking the life we wanted for ourselves, right? Like <sighs> this feeling of can we can we have what we wanted given yeah. your parents feel this way and this idea of like curiosity to rejection. Like I don't like that spectrum at all. No. That, that spectrum, does, curiosity on the positive end, I don't yeah. like that. I don't yeah. like it. Does Modi have a <laughs> like Andy. secret police or brown shirts? Like what is the like – the fascist leader of India at the moment, right? Yeah. What is his brown shirts? Why not report the parents? Andy Hush. Andy. <laughs> Andy picks the messiest way to blow it up. Andy says blow it up at every blow time, it up. I believe. I'm, I'm I not just blow it up. I'm saying I'm saying get rid of them. I under, and that's what I mean by blow it up. You said just get rid of his parents. It doesn't have to be lethal. Put him in a prison somewhere. Listen, I love my in-laws endlessly. Other people's families are always the worst. And you will never <laughs> understand them. You will never yeah. understand them because they are ununderstandable. 
you, the only people that can understand a family truly are the people who grew up in that muck, in the muck. Right, right, <laughs> right. And so the, the two muck. things you have to hold true are you deserve to be respected and loved and not feel stressed about this. And also uh, people's families are going to family. <laughs> family's going to family. But- but also I think people also the other thing too to remember is like people can come around, but I think you have to like kind of say it's like because here's the thing. If his parents love him that much and want to be around him that much, they will adapt they to will be have around to. their son. Yeah. Right? Like they will they will eventually um you know have to accept, yes. like, okay, this person's in my son's life. And if my son says don't say that, or I'm gonna hang up the phone, or we're gonna leave the function if you behave this way, they're gonna stop behaving that way because they want have to. And then I think other changes can come from that. But do you think, I think they're that's holding real. the family fortune? over their heads i don't i don't feel like money's involved it doesn't feel like money's involved as much as just like i think it's just like i guess what i'm trying to say is never like it's never gonna look exactly the way you want it to look necessarily because it's you don't this is not this is a different set of humans that's true of any two families that come together they're not going to behave exactly the way you want them to behave never right it's just not going to happen not any other family you're dealing with your family doesn't behave the way you want them to behave. Why would this other family? Right. So then like always have that grain of salt of like, you're not going to get like, there's not going to be, and there never is a, Oh my God, everything is perfect. Wow. Didn't this all work yeah. out? Great. What can we work towards? What is there a version of working towards? And then if you're doing your work, but they aren't doing their work, then you have to make some decisions, right. but both sides need to be doing some work and it sucks that just, just you two are doing the work now. That's a well, because you can't change any other people, right? When it always, when it comes down to it, you have to be the one doing the work at least to start because you can't change nobody else. You, you can't barely change yourself. Well, exactly. It's so so it's like you just got to be like, hey, um, yeah. and I think it does. And then waiting to see, are you changing with me? Like yes. that's the thing in families of like, if one person in the family changes, everybody kind of has to end up changing, but they will resist the heck out of it because it's really hard. But then you need to look out for it. This is what I always tell kids. You make the change. If they aren't meeting you where you're at in this new place, then you set boundaries. Then you start like kind of pulling yourself away just to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. But it is a process. Right. And I think yeah. it has to, and I think it's also going to start to talking to your partner where it's like, you know, how does this behavior feel to you? Right. Because obviously you're yeah. the person being, you're the person being kind of, you know, not treated well. Yeah. And so then it, in these dynamics, your, you know, your response probably comes to the fore. And I think having a conversation or multiple conversations that are like, well, how do you feel in these moments? Yeah. When, when they're like this or they say this, because to me, cause I know for instance, like, you know, Andy's parents would like to joke. They like to kind of make jokes about Andy. Like he, and, and yeah, it's great. <laughs> but I love but, every moment of it. But like they used to, cause they're know, good at telling jokes too. <laughs> So like when they joke with me, it's not hurtful. <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. It feels fine. Like, yeah, yeah. It's fine but and I, funny. But I, but I think especially the the longer we got, we were together, and the more I saw the how it did feel to Andy. Because initially I was just kind of like, ha ha ha, like you know, I just want to keep everything copacetic. At some point, Naomi's mom was just like, "What is he doing?" Like he would say stuff that, where she's like, "That seems a little." Well, like Andy's dad would make a joke where he's like, "Well, you got to hurry up and get married before Naomi changes her mind." And it was oh, like, and I came to feel like, actually, when you make jokes about my partner, you're insulting me because you're implying that I picked bad. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, so I think that's also like something like you and your partner need to talk about. Like, how does it feel for you when your parents say this stuff? Now, are you so used to snide comments and disrespect that it just rolls off your back? Well, we got to deal with that. That's another thing to deal with. That's the thing. like the soup that you this family's been cooking for so long. Because yeah. my family's got a soup of like. Ugh. <laughs> a messy, it's a messy soup. And it's like, oh, I've been cooking in that soup. So I, you don't even know until you get out of it. And someone's like, why are they doing that? Like, why are they talking to you like that? And, um, and that's a slow process too. And it takes, it takes patience. Right. It's a gumbo. Yeah. It's, it's a, a gumbo, gumbo. But the question is, is it seasoned? How is it seasoned? It, yeah. don't, it don't taste good to nobody else. <laughs> so it's like, that's what you have to do. Cause I think, you know, part of what you're talking about, like the life you guys want for yourself, it is building up. Again, this is not about rejecting everybody else, but it's about building up your you guys as a unit. And how are we different than the people we came from? Exactly. Better or worse, whatever it is, how are we different? It's not better necessarily. How are we different? Right. We and what do we to- want for this unit, right? Based on, you know, it, it's like that's what you guys start to build up. And that's only between the two of you. And then how you behave and what you do with that is, you know, that's how you make changes with these. And then if all those fails, move to the other side of the country and you'll have to see them that often. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, when I said the family fortune before, I was imagining it was like a movie where the husband or the boyfriend in this has to choose, like his parents are going to disown him and he has to choose between his his family fortune. That's that's the scenario that was in my head. They kill the parents and get the fortune. And (laughs) that's a mega happy ending. Although many people are murdered and that's sad. We don't like that. No, we Um, don't love it. But that's an option. You know, it's really the prince in me. You know, it's like this idea of like, oh my God, I was picked. But then it's like, oh, the the parents, you know, it's Disney. It's giving. It's coming to America, honestly. Yeah. Like at the end, he's like, I'd give up. I'd renounce the kingdom of Zamunda right now if you wanted me to. And she was like, meh. Which is (laughs) maybe my favorite moment. (laughs) I know. I know. I think it's more like coming to America too. And that it's. (laughs) It's a terrible disaster for everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know this is hard. I don't think this is the end, but I think it's, you know, in so, like I'm just summing up for you, my dear, who called in, who I appreciate. Um, you know, this is about a series of conversations and developing a way of moving of navigating these relationships as a unit. As a unit. I would also say your boyfriend. Uh, not being uh, maybe struggling with this a bit and not standing up for you in the relationship. Don't try not hard to not take offense to that because that is a very tough, that's just a long process. Give him a little bit of grace there. If you, if you can't give him a bit of grace as he is figuring this out again, we don't know where he is. So we don't know what the situation is, but that's such a tough thing to navigate. Um, Mm -hmm. That is something I do have personal experience with and, and, I, I I had to choose at some point of like, you know, I was a secret to to my boyfriend until I got sick. And then he told like all of that that's in the movie is true. Yeah. So I at first was taking offense to it. And it took me a while to understand, like, this has nothing to do with me. It, it's nothing about how great I am or how much he loves me. This is just a bigger thing. And um, maybe a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go into a coma real quick? Have you thought about a medically induced coma? I was, I was going in a good direction, but I, and I, 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 all joking aside, it, I, it took me take, having a bit of grace with him, but also kind of being like, this is your shit that you have to deal with, right. and it's hurting us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Mm. Emily. Mm. Emily. 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 Yes. Emily. 
This yes. was a good one. This Thank was a good one. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for waking out Spectrum, taking away our internet. They really Show did. Okay. <laughs> You're the best. You're a real one. And we are so grateful for your time. Well, thank you. This was fun. It was great to see you too. See you all next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com